Welcome to the BCEN and Friends podcast, where we support and empower nurses across the emergency spectrum with life-changing advice from fellow colleagues and friends. Today on our show, Janie Schumacher and Bridget Flood speak with Alex Draper, the CEO and founder of DX Learning, who through his care model has been inspiring leaders to care with a purpose. Now here's your host, Bridget Flood. Hello, and welcome to the BCEN and Friends podcast. I'm Bridget Flood, Director of Strategy and Operations here at BCN, and I'm joined by my co-host, Janie Shoemaker, the Executive Director. Hey, Janie. Hey, Bridget. So, the BCN and Friends podcast is an opportunity for us to have interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals and most importantly, to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. So Janie, we have a very interesting friend today, Alex Draper. Alex is the CEO and founder of DX Learning, and he is a man on a mission a leadership mission, which I know, Janie, is a subject that's important to you. Yes, Bridget, it is very near and dear to my heart. So I'm so excited to be here today to talk to Alex about one of my most favorite topics, leadership. Perfect. So Alex is working to shape organizations worth working for by empowering teams and managers of teams from the top to the bottom to think and act like great leaders so that people come to work with the intent of doing good by their people and knowing the results will come from that. Alex and his team at DX Learning aspire to be the best in the world at empowering managers to behave like leaders, creating psychologically safe teams, and value-based leadership development. And a little bit about Alex. Alex is based in Chicago, Illinois. He and his wife, Carolyn, are the proud parents of two young children. And when Alex isn't working to change the world and being a dad, he's been known to play a couple games of rugby. So Alex, welcome. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you. Um, So hopefully my introduction um, did well by you. Um, But I would like to start with understanding more about your professional journey. So I know you've come from a call center manager at the university to working at a training company and then founding DX Learning where you're at now. Um, So if you wouldn't mind telling us in our audience a little bit more about that journey and how you came to start this mission at DX Learning. Yeah, sure. it feels like a long journey over what 20, 20 odd years, but it started life at university. I was studying to be a primary school teacher in the UK. You might tell that my accent is south side of Chicago, stroke UK. Right. Uh, originally um, studied, studied uh, education at university, tried to be a teacher, was told I wasn't a very good teacher uh, for kids because I was too uh, on their level and enjoying it too much. <laughs> They couldn't take me seriously. So they're like, you know what, Mr. Draper, you should probably try a different, uh, different avenue. So uh, I love education. Adult education seemed a logical path. 
joined a global um, adult education company that did experiential learning, which is really learning, not learning by teaching, but learning by doing, which was really cool. Um, I also studied a little bit about America growing up and had an infatuation with, uh, with this country. My uh, godmother bought me a Chicago Bears hat, so had a, you know, had a thirst for coming here, came here, fell in love with America, asked my boss back in the UK, hey, can you send me over here? Uh, engineered a, a move to America, and that's really when things started to, to, to change because when I came to America, there's, there's almost um, a want and desire to improve ourselves here. There's, there's a thirst for, for knowledge and there's a thirst for leadership and, and, and treating people better. Uh, which opened up my eyes to uh, things that we can do that we're not currently doing, which is helping people uh, with their self-awareness, helping people with their emotional intelligence, which is not what my previous company did, but something that I started to get uh, a passion for. Um, so much so that I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'd like to start my own company and did so uh, April 2015. And, and that's where it all began. And here we are five years later in a, in a pandemic. Yeah, no kidding. That's fascinating. Um, so you've, you're, it's been about five years then for this organization. Um, yep. Great, because I think we, Jenny and I have a lot of questions for you. But before we get into your actual philosophy and model, um, there are two words that I hear all the time and oftentimes they're interchanged. And those two words being leadership and management. And I would like to know from your perspective, are they the same? Is there a difference? And if there is, what is that difference? Yeah, good question. Let's, let's define them both first. So here's, here's our definition of what management is. It's, it's essentially predictably getting results. Uh, when you are a manager or uh, when you are in management, you have no choice but to predictably get results. It's almost like why you've been promoted. Uh, you've been promoted because you're technically gifted uh, and that's typically how we promote people these days. And the expectation when we promote you is that you're going to get some really good results. Oh, by the way, predictably get them. Um, so there's no choice. It's like you have to do that. Um, the leadership, on the other hand, is, it's, it's slightly different in the fact that leadership is, our definition of leadership is positively influencing another human being. So if you have the opportunity to positively influence another human being, you therefore have the opportunity to lead and therefore you need leadership skills to do so. Um, so it's, it's more about a choice. You, you, you choose to lead, you, you don't have a choice to manage. So the difference between the two is very simple. One is not a choice, you predictably get results because if you don't get the results, you're more than likely gonna get fired. Uh, and leadership is, is a choice. You choose to wake up in the morning and positively influence people, or you may not. And I'm sure you can remember working for someone who, who did not choose to positively influence you. And I'm sure you can remember the effects that that person had on you because you can yeah. manage people and get results, but you can also influence people positively and still get results. So that's sort of our, that's how I uh, define the two in a difference. I think that's great because I almost think sometimes you have to work for the non-leader to understand and appreciate when you get to work for a leader um, because you can, there's obvious differences. Um, so thank you for explaining that. Um, and you hope your managers are leaders, but that's not necessarily always the case. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's, there's a, another piece to that, which is 
So they're interchangeable in the fact that every manager is a manager, but every manager needs to be a leader. And so that what we need to do, therefore, is arm our managers to think and act like leaders. But it's also, it's not just the managers who leaders. So it's almost that notion of lead teams of people need a leader, but, but leaders need teams of people to lead, which means really we can all wake up, all of us, whether you are a manager or not a manager, in every facet of life, uh, we can all wake up and be a leader because it's a choice. If, even if you're an individual contributor and don't have per se people under your, your guidance, you can still be a leader if you choose to. And I think that's the, that's the key here. We can all wake up in the morning and choose to positively influence those around us. I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, obviously our listeners, um, our nurses, nurse managers, nurse executives, nurse leaders, but knowing that we all could make a difference in somebody's life that day um, is really important. So I think we should start to talk a little bit more about your uh, model. I agree. So I'm going to jump in here, Alex. Um, and I, I just want to kind of set the stage a little bit here with a couple of things that I know for sure. Um, having been a leader for a long time in my career, I know that people are really um, hungry for good leadership. They want to be good leaders themselves, but they more importantly also want to work for somebody who's a good leader, a competent leader, somebody who listens and understands them. And uh, BCEN conducted a research study uh, in 2019 uh, where we surveyed several thousand of our emergency trauma and transport nurses and asked them an open-ended question about what their biggest challenge in the workplace was. And in the top three things that's, that's, that sifted out of that um, was they are hungry and screaming for competent leadership. And so sometimes when I say screaming, literally it was in all caps, we need competent leadership here in the workplace. And you said something a minute ago where you said people have a thirst for knowledge and they have a thirst for treating people better. And I think that really describes our nursing workforce, no matter what position you're in as a nurse, so well, because nurses are lifelong learners and they are in a calling where they want to treat people as best they can and, and, and feel that people should be treated better. So being armed with that information that our nurses are crying out for competent leadership, <clears throat> looking for ways to be better leaders themselves, and they have this thirst for knowledge and this thirst for treating people better, I want to dive into your care model with you a little bit because you've really um, got a nice model here that lays things out beautifully. So I wonder, Alex, could you just talk a little bit about your care model uh, and what that looks like so our listeners can kind of start to understand your framework? Yeah, uh, thanks, Jenny. So let's go back to leadership as a choice. So here are the things that you can choose to do when you wake up in the morning for those in your service, whether you're a, a nurse, a husband, a wife, uh, a father, a mother, uh, in a corporate America or not. The, this is, here are some four things, simple things that you can do, choose to do, right? So and let's put a little bit of a science, science hat on. Uh, put your hands up if you're a human. I'm hoping everyone put their hands up. Great, so you have a brain. Right, so we all have a brain. So let's put uh, this in context. If, if we can feed every brain that comes to work with us, for us, or around us at home and at work, and we can feed them what the brain wants, then that brain feels catered for, then that's what leadership's about. So let's, there, there are four things that every single brain in the whole wide world uh, crave, 
um, and therefore leadership is simple. There's over 3 million books on leadership and they've made something so simple, so complex. It's really simple. Provide the people what they want uh, and they will, they will love you for it and do more than is expected. So here are the four things, care. C, C stands for clarity. Who doesn't, who hates waking, who loves waking up in the morning and not knowing what to do that day? Not many people. And since the day of dawn, we've, we've craved clarity because if, if it was cold, we'd have to build a fire. We'd have to know where it was safe and where it wasn't safe. We've always craved clarity. So C stands for clarity. So therefore, as a leader of humans, provide them some clarity. A, A stands for autonomy. Uh, we're more comfortable as human beings when we can control our environment because back in the old days, uh, we were more likely to survive if we were in control. So we all crave control. So autonomy is, is the purpose of, of providing people the control that they crave. So give people autonomy, give people control, don't steal it from them. So A stands for autonomy. R stands for relationships. Again, we're human beings, don't forget that, we're human beings. Back in the old days, we were more likely to survive if we were part of a tribe versus out in the desert or the jungle on our own. And if we were excommunicated, that meant, essentially meant death. Uh, so we want to be part of something. We want to be valued, that sense of connectedness. We crave it. So again, give them the relationships that they, re they require for their brain to feel safe. And then E of the care model stands for equity. Um, go back to, again, the old days. Uh, the, the, the pregnant person, for example, probably needed more resources, whether it was food or attention, than the rest of the tribe. The hunters would have needed more resources and more food, of course, had gone out to hunt for a couple of days. We couldn't treat people equally. It's about treating people equitably and giving the resources to where it's needed the most. So these are just four things that every brain craves and therefore leadership is so simple. Care for your people, provide the things that they want from a C, A, R and E point of view, and that they will do more than it's expected. So that's how we try and make things nice and simple. Just go out there and care for your people and they'll probably care back twice as much. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that comes to mind in healthcare is that things are always changing very rapidly. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to keep up with it all. And so, you know, we're always getting a new piece of equipment to use and we've got to learn about that. Or there's a change to our electronic medical record that has to happen because we've got a new uh, regulation or uh, we, we, we want to put a new best practice in place and we want to capture that. Uh, or there's a change to our workflow. And so oftentimes I think <clears throat> one of the biggest pitfalls that, that we misstep in healthcare is and, and possibly in other industries too, is that um, sometimes as leaders, we come along and we trample all over the A in your care model, which is autonomy. And so we tell people, hey, we've got this change and here's how it's gonna roll out. And so I'm the leader and here's how it's gonna be. So I'm gonna tell you, uh, here's the change. Here's what we're gonna do. Uh, when in fact, I didn't take any time to really understand that piece of equipment or that workflow or that documentation process, I didn't ask people closest to the work. And so now I'm left with a group of people on my team that feel like they don't have a lot of control over their environment. Do you, do you see that happening a lot, Alex? And, and what can nurse leaders do? I, I mean, we don't have all day and certainly these changes have to be put in place in a timely manner, um, but I'm not sure that's the best approach when we just come in of a morning and say, okay, folks, here's the change. Yeah, so good point, Jenny. So here's the problem that we've got, right? There's over 100 and 150, 160 biases in the brain. So let's, let's start with the brain again. So empathy, brain, we all have one. 
biases. Biases are cognitive shortcuts to preserve the brain power to do the thing that it's designed to do, which is to survive. Some of the things that you just talked about there. Uh, so brains are lazy. They, they want to do things as quickly and easily so that they can scan for threats and see, see uh, how to survive because that's just number one protocol. So law of least efforts. It's quicker and easier for me to tell you what to do than it is for me to allow you the, uh, to, to, the chance to do it yourself. So just take new, new piece of equipment comes in. Uh, there's a book there. It's quicker and easier for me to just walk you through the instructions, let you uh, tell you how to use it versus me to go, look, here's the new machine. Here, here's 10 minutes. You figure it out. Because again, you're passing autonomy, but I, my brain's going, you know what? I don't have time for this. I'm just going to tell you. Um, the rush to solve bias. It's, it's, we always just love to rush in, dive in as quickly as we can, try and solve this thing without actually taking a step back and really understanding the problem that we're actually trying to solve in the first place. Um, there's all these biases, and there's just two of the ones. The courtesy bias, it's quicker and easier for me to be socially nice to you and tell you things nice things about you than actually tell the truth. That just uh, get in the way of, of effectiveness. So my, my advice for all of us is, is if, it was e if it's the easy path, it's probably not the right path, right? It's slowing down to speed up. Uh, mm -hmm. It's versus telling people what to do, maybe let them do the talking, right? So these are just simple things that, that, that we can all do, but it, most of it revolves around slowing down. Um, and I'm sure in healthcare, I, my, my wife was a, a former, former nurse here in Chicago at St. Mary's. Um, I know it's a fast paced environment and therefore it's hard to slow down. But if we're always running up against it, it's hard to be the leader because leader takes time. It's a deliberate choice to positively influence people. And if we're always running up against it, then we're never going to have a chance to make that choice. And I think that's so difficult for people in your industry. But so therefore it's, it's fight the bias fight the tendency to be lazy and, and slow down and try and do what's right versus what your brain's telling you to do. Yeah, thank you for that. That's great advice. Um, I'd also like to talk a little bit about the relationship piece. So I think this trips people up sometimes. Um, everybody's measured on their employee satisfaction or their employee engagement. You know, everybody's getting a survey, at least annually for that nowadays. Those scores are really important. And boy, if you don't turn up so good on those scores, well, you know, gee, that's another explanation that you have to make to your, to your uh, supervisors and your C-suite. So I know we're all looking for ways to, to make those relationships meaningful, and I don't think that you mean that means hanging out with people after work and being that kind of friend and having that kind of relationship, and it certainly, you know, certainly you can't just let people run amok and not have any accountability or, or, or ownership. So can you talk a little bit about what our nurses can do to build um, these connections with each other? What does that look like, you know, without having to give away the store or, you know, let people slip and slide? What do, what do you really mean? How can we make those relationships mean something in the workplace? Yeah. Um. So here's the, the key when it comes to the, the, the relationship piece. So we're, while every single human craves relationships, in fact, every single, every single human craves clarity, autonomy, relationships, and equity, every human will crave varying, varying uh, spectrums of relationships. So think of the right-hand side of people who really, can you think of someone who always talks about their family, is very uh, open and transparent about everything going on in their life, and bet you can all figure that person, because they are out there. 
And I bet you on the opposite end of the spectrum, on the left-hand side, I bet you can think of someone who's very private, just likes to talk about business um, and is not very open. There's no right, there's no wrong. Here's the challenge is, is to, to know your team, that, to how you dial up relationships is to get to know your team and to know what kind of relationship that they would like. Because if, you, if, you're open, if you're an open person and you're open to everybody, that might turn some people off. We all want a sense of connectedness. We all, all want a, a sense of that you care for me because if it's always about the result, it's always about the job, I will question your motives at some point. Yeah, if it's all about the results, I'm gonna question you at some point because we all want to be part of something that's greater than just a result. The big question for you and where real leadership comes in is providing that sense of connectedness to where people want it versus treating people equally. You know, being open with everyone's not the right, right uh, way to go about it, but at least get to know everyone on a, on a human scale. And you'll be, it'd be really obvious who'd like to be more, who wants more openness and who wants more privateness. But everyone wants something more than just the job itself. And, and the hard part of leadership is to know that. Um, for example, uh, I know that Kristen on my team uh, on a Tuesday doesn't have a, a nanny. So I've got to know her non-work relatedness, her non-work stuff so I can treat her. So if I try and overload her of work on a Tuesday, that's not a, a good relationship. Um, for some people, I know the names of the cats. For some people, I, I, I haven't got to know them because I know that they don't want it. So I think, I think the key here is to treat people how they want to be treated. So give them the relationships that they want, not what you assume they want. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a really great way to look at things. Um, treat people how they want to be treated. Uh, we've always all heard, oh, you know, treat people how you want to be treated and everything will be fine. But you're making us think about that a little bit differently. And I love that um, because maybe not everybody wants to be treated like I do. They want to be treated how they want to be treated. So what a great point that you made there. Um, the, the other thing that I just have to touch on because I just can't help myself, Alex, is Healthcare, um, I always, I, you know, having been in, in healthcare my whole career, I've always been told that, you know, healthcare is just very different. So, you know, when you try to lead in healthcare, it's just such a different beast. And, you know, people just don't understand. And, you know, leadership's just different in healthcare. Do you have any thoughts about that? <laughs> uh, I do. Um, and we'll, we'll see how they land. Uh, here's, here's our belief and our opinion. Is, is leadership is leadership. Humans are humans. Whether you work uh, as a nurse, a doctor, a surgeon, whether you're an accountant, whether you uh, are a salesperson, whether you work for a large corporation or a small startup, leadership is leadership. Why? Because we're all just human. Um, and therefore, it, it, no, it, it doesn't matter. Um, our leadership management will change because the way in which you get results will be very unique to the situation that you're in. But leadership doesn't. Uh, how you treat people and treat people right, whether it's a surgeon to a doctor, a doctor to a nurse, whether it's an accountant to one of their uh, associates, whether it's a husband to a wife or a husband to a kid, whoever it is, leadership is leadership and it should be consistent. Um, so I believe there is no difference whether you're in healthcare or not. Uh, treating people as they should be is what we should all do. Wow, I couldn't agree with you more, Alex. Thanks for that. I, I am just wondering now, because um, we always like to try to give something to take away on these, uh, on these podcasts we do. So thinking about what we've just discussed and the care model that you've so aptly laid out for us, 
Do you have a couple of simple things that our nurses, uh, you know, that could maybe they could just take away and do right now to start changing the way they lead, whether you're a formal leader or an informal leader, no matter your position, what are a couple simple things that, that our nurses could take away to better empower the teams they work with uh, and those that they lead and work alongside? Okay. Uh... I'll, I'll make some suggestions and please either add some more context or let me know if I'm off the, I'm off track here. Um, so let's go back down to uh, C, A, R, and E. So C, what could, what could potentially a nurse, uh, nurse leader do for their team? Um, clarity is about setting clear expectations. Uh, so maybe start, the, start every shift with a, a question to your team do you know what is expected of you over the next 12 hours? Um, versus assume that everyone thinks that they, you know what's on their mind, right? It's the, it's the change of assuming that everyone knows what they're doing versus actually making sure that people know what they're doing by asking the question, hey, do you know what's expected of you? Do you know what's expected of you? And let them talk. And if, it, if you're not aligned, have a conversation. Would that work, Jenny? That would because you know most of the, most of us now have team huddles when we get started on our shift and we have several huddles during the day as we have more people coming into work. Um, and sometimes I think those team huddles sort of turn into this laundry list of things that I'm prattling on about to remind you to do this, that, and the other. But maybe we can flip those team huddles to to focus more around clarity and and making sure people really understand the expectations for the day. I love that. Simple, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's, and that's just, when, you, when you strip leadership down to its core, it's just simple. That's why it shouldn't be industry specific because it's just clarity is clarity. No matter where you come from, clarity is simple. We'll ask your team what's expected of them. And if there's any variance in what they think and what you know, then talk about it. Um, so yes, so cool. Um, which is almost a notion of slow down to speed up. So ask questions. Do you know what's expected of you? Have a conversation, any variance, openly discuss it. Because once you have clarity, well, then you can, then you can give autonomy. Because without clarity, if you try and give autonomy without clarity, we call that chaos. Imagine trying, people trying to do things without clarity. It's like, well, it's chaos. So once you have clarity, uh, now autonomy would be his, his a suggestion for autonomy. Um, I go to the, the, it's a tough one for people. The person that does the talking does the learning. Um, think about that for a second. Why are professors so intelligent? I'm hoping uh, there's no professors on this who will go, well, why am I so intelligent? I, I read so much. You, you do, because when you read, when you talk, you actually learn. You synthesize information way quicker than when you're listening. So the person that does the talking does the learning. So really on that notion, we should be asking more questions and doing less telling. So just think about the shift. Think about your team. Try and talk Talk less by asking more. So what can you do to uh, ask questions around the work that they're doing? So for example, rather than tell them how to use this machine, maybe ask them, how would you use this machine? Patient comes in versus tell them, this is what you need to do for this patient. Maybe ask them, what would you do for this patient? Patient, Because if, you're, if they're doing more talking, if they're doing more doing, that means they're learning. So the hard part is when you're technically gifted in your industry, a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses spend a lot of time in education. The more technical we are, the more we tend to tell people what to do and steal their autonomy. So I encourage you to let go, let them talk, let them do and guide them. I love that. That's excellent. I think that would work really well in our environment. Cool. Phew. <laughs> um, uh, relationships, uh, you know, 
especially here in the Midwest, we are nice. We're very nice people. Um, and I'd say, <laughs> welcome. Um, we're nice, but then it's the courtesy bias, right? So we, we tend to say things that are more socially correct than the, than, than the truth. So just say it how it is. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Don't do the, the, the sandwich where you say something nice, something, you say something nice, something bad, something nice. Just tell people, people will, that sense of relationship comes from, from respect. And I will only respect you if you don't talk behind my back and you just tell me. And I know, I know, because my, my, uh, I know a lot of people in the industry, there's so much backstabbing, there's so much round chatter. Just speak to people to their face and be open and transparent and be candid. And you'll drive that respect, which drives the relationships would be my advice for the, the, the R of the care model. Wow, that's excellent advice. Excellent advice. We get in so much trouble when we tell everybody what our concern is, except for the person that we're concerned with. So <laughs> that is just excellent advice. And I'm sure that never, ever happens in healthcare. And I'm saying that tongue in cheek, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we can't improve what we don't know needs to prove in the first place. So just say it, right? If a doctor, if a doctor does something to upset you, tell them you're upsetting me. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the, the, the E, you know, it's interesting. So our formula for care is C plus A plus R consistently over time allows you the opportunity to provide the resources where it's needed, right? So my advice is simple. Uh, provide clarity to your team, which allows you to give autonomy to your team because you can't give autonomy unless you have clarity. When you give autonomy to a team, it gives you the thing that you moan about every day, which is you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time because you do, you're telling everyone how to do their job and you're micromanaging them. You're doing that because you don't have clarity. So provide the clarity to be able to give the autonomy, to be able to give you the time to build the relationships and get to know your people on a human level, which is all data gathering for you to be able to provide the resources to where it's needed. So what I will say is just don't treat your team equally don't give them all the same things. You've got to give the resources to where it needed the most. Give your time and attention to the people who are struggling the most. And I bet you're probably more than biased. You provide more, more of your time to the high performers who are doing really well because that's what your brain is telling you to do. But don't try and fight that. Give, give, give your resources and time to the team members who need your attention the most. Excellent. That's excellent. We do, we do have, uh, you know, always a, a lot of new people coming in to healthcare and, um, you know, they, they do need sometimes a little more time than others do. And, and I think we all have this notion, well, you know, I've got to spread my time equally among people or, gee, these people are easier to deal with, so I'm going to give them more of my time. And uh, that's, that's uh, possibly not where we need to be spending it. So that's a great, uh, very great point that you made. Gosh, Alex, thanks for going through all of that. I think that you've given us some really great um, tangible things that we can walk away and begin to put into practice. So that was a great talk. Thank you. I agree. And now we've reached the um, point where we do a few rapid fire um, questions. So Alex, get ready. Um, first question is, since founding DX Learning five, five years ago, what was one of the most meaningful moments you've had during that time? Oh gosh, a couple come to mind. Um, so here, the biggest one was this uh, on March 21st when Chicago went to work from home, uh, mandated work from home 
essentially my business came to an abrupt end because our business was for in-person leadership training, right? So we, we did in-person leadership training. So essentially in March, uh, our business was, was um, <laughs> dead for all intents and purposes. So the, the, the pivot and the, when you, create, when you create fans, when you've done your job well over a five year period, they might not tell you, they might not give you that feedback because as a, as a leader, as a CEO, you don't tend to get much feedback and people don't really give you much recognition. It's just what's expected. But that day, March 21st and the week after it, the, the most proudest part was what they did um, to pivot the business to be more virtual. Well, to be virtual because otherwise we wouldn't be in business right now. So it was a, a proud moment because I know I had done my job right over a five-year period that my team stepped up to the plate, did more than was expected. Um, and I was, it was just the, the proudest thing that you can ever imagine. They didn't, it was through their actions that I had know I had done my job right. Um, and, and it was almost five years of, of hard work paid off because we're, we're still here today because of our ability and my team's ability to pivot um, and come up with ideas that I would never have come up with. So that was, that's definitely the, you'll stay with me for the rest of my life. That is, that truly is a great moment. Um, to have that happen for you and know um, the things you put in place were coming to fruition, which I think you might have actually answered maybe my second question I had for you, which was how do you apply the care model with your team? And I think that is kind of the answer, right? <laughs> every day, Bridget, every day. <laughs> so I'm going to switch it now and say, um, is there an example in your life, your personal life, maybe with your kids or your wife or something where you, you have applied the care model. Yeah. Um, I mean, every, literally every day and every facet of life, I'm, I'm my, my, after years of working on it, it takes time. It, my, my wake up in the morning is to treat people how they want to be treated, not how I want to be treated. Right. So I, that, that's how I live my life. So with Caroline, my wife, um, we have a care assessment that comes, care behavioral assessment that comes with our whole experience. So, you know, you get to see how you view the world and how much clarity you crave, how much autonomy you crave and how much relationships you crave. Um, and I know my wife. So I, I, I work at it hard with her because actually she's the opposite of me on, it, on all three of them. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an entrepreneur, so I don't crave much clarity. I love, I love ambiguity, right? I'm, I'm thriving right now in this VUCA world. Uh, Caroline needs more, more clarity. So therefore I have to work hard to give her the clarity that she wants for her brain to feel safe and for our relationship to, to flourish. And vice versa, she has to work at giving me less clarity because I don't want a five page document. I don't want to have to have my calendar full for the whole week. I'm, I'm okay waking up in the morning and not knowing. So we, we work hard at that. Same with autonomy. I crave autonomy. I, crave, I hate being told what to do. I, I love freedom and that's why I started my own business. But she likes a bit more guidance. So if I try to over empower her and give her too much time to think that turns her off. So I work hard at, hard at uh, giving her more guidance than I would do my team. And then relationships were actually quite similar. We're, we're very intimate. Um, so we, we have a, a, a connection there. So same with my kids. I try not to steal their autonomy. You know, I, I try to let them figure things out versus tell them what to do. So every day I'm trying to work hard at it with everyone that I know. Um, and I don't get it right all the time. In fact, I get it more wrong than right, but that's, that's the growth mindset, right? Uh, learning from your failures or your mistakes. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing is, you know, I think you started out saying we're all humans and um, yeah, so we're not going to get it always right. 
but I think if you always try, you'll get mostly right and then learn from what you, you didn't get right. So that's great. Um, Jenny, I think you might have a question for Alex. I, I do. Thanks, Bridget. Alex, I would love to know what your favorite book on leadership might happen to be. Since you're, since you're into this, you're a leadership expert, what book would you tell us is your favorite? Oh, man, that's one of the, the hardest questions. Um, can, I, can I say a couple? Yes, uh, you can. I think, of course. I, think, I think my favorite book that gave me the most insight in life might not be one for everyone because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very scientific, but Quiet Leadership by David Rock was a game changer for me personally. It was, I thought, I thought, right? So self-awareness, uh, many years ago, I wasn't as self-aware as I was now. Um, I thought I was a really good coach. Um, but I wasn't. And when I read that book, I realized that quiet leadership is a notion that, for example, conversational narcissists and people who speak a lot and talk a lot and tell a lot, they, they think that they're leading, but they're not. It's the science behind the person that does the talking, does the learning, right? So therefore, my job is to be quiet and to ask more, tell less. And it provided the science as to why it changed everything for me. And after that day, I became more quiet. Uh, I became a quiet leader. And in fact, it's the quiet leaders who are actually probably the leaders that we all love the most. So that was the book that probably changed me as a human the most. Um, that's one book, a really quick book I advise us all to read, everyone. Uh, and it's very quick. It's called The Motive by Patrick Lencioni. It's a wonderful story about um, uh, a, the leader that we, the reasons why we tend to take a leadership or a management position um, are not really what we, we we need leaders to, to how we need them to think and act. And it's just a really quick, you can literally read it in two, three hours. And it will make you think about whether you really want to be a, a, a leader of humans and, and why you maybe got promoted and, and whether you should have been promoted in the first place. And for those who aren't leaders, if you read that book, you go, ooh, yeah, maybe I don't want to be a, a people leader. So I, it's a book we should all read. It really gives you a nice, simple story behind what leadership is and what it isn't. Wow, that's great. I wrote both of those down. I have read some books by Patrick Lencioni. I love the way he tells a story when he writes a book, but I don't think I've read that one. So thank you for both of those. That's, those both sound like great things to pick up and read. Um, so Alex, I want to just ask you one more thing. If our audience would like to follow you and learn more, uh, where can they find you online and where can they find you on social media? Uh so check out our webpage, uh, www.dx-learning.com. Check out our LinkedIn page, DX Learning. You'll find that one easy. It's a big X, big orange X. And then my LinkedIn page, Alex Draper at DX Learning. Uh, all three of those places are a great place. And especially on our website, it's a simple, uh, simple one. Down the bottom, highly advise you you subscribe to our newsletter. Every week, we're putting out things you should be reading, stories about our own leadership and, and things that we're we're working on ourselves. Uh, a video of of mistakes that I've made this week because if uh, my job is I make mistakes that you don't have to. So um, all of this is around best practice. So e either of those platforms is a way for you to learn more about leadership. Ah, thank you so much, Alex. That's fantastic. Bridget, I'm going to turn it back over to you now. Thanks. Um, so Alex, I want to take this moment to thank you for your time and for joining us for this episode of BCN and Friends. It's really so much appreciated.
And I also hope that um, the information that you gave to our audience and to BCN is just another little step in towards achieving your mission. Um, and so hopefully we've helped you get there a little closer. Um, I know that we certainly learned a lot today. And for everyone listening, we hope you will continue to tune in as we um, continue these podcasts and we bring you fresh and impactful content and perspectives. Also, if you in the audience have any suggestions for an episode topic, please, please email us at bcen at bcen.org. I'm Bridget Flood, here with Janie Shoemaker, and on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank you, we celebrate you for all that you are doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time.